When it comes to building performance engines, obviously there's a lot of technology that goes into making the engines both powerful, but more importantly, reliable. Now we're here with Julian Godfrey from Julian Godfrey Motorsport. Now, while Julian's got a long history behind him, uh, we're here at Goodwood and he is looking after Ken Block's Ford Escort Cosworth. Uh, Julian was responsible for the engine and electronics as well as the turning on Ken Block's Escort Cosworth. I want to talk to him a little bit about his history street with engine building and the development of that. Welcome to High Performance Academy's Tuned In Field Report podcast series. In these special midweek episodes, we look back through our archives to find the best conversations we've had through years worth of attending the best automotive events across the globe. We've pulled the audio from these tech-filled interviews with some of the industry's most well-known figures for you to enjoy as a quick hit of insider knowledge. I think what I want to start with, Gillian, is how did you originally get involved in engine development? Uh, I started back in the 80s. Uh, doing engine building and I set my own company up in 89 and got involved with Radicross in 90, especially with Pat Doran, did a lot of work with him in 91, 92, doing the European Championship and yeah, so before that I was doing some uh, rally engines for, for David Maslin, doing the British Rally Championship and that's where I got first involved with the YB engine, we had a uh, 4x4 Sierra for Group N Rally and just going back, I think one of the problems we see with engine building as a career path is predominantly the engine builders out there uh, all around the world are maybe more akin to engine reconditioners and they're, they're more familiar with really just rebuilding everyday pedestrian road cars where power levels are low, RPM ranges aren't that high and the tolerances really aren't that critical. Uh, so getting into the actual performance engine building, uh, generally that's a little bit more tricky. So how did you actually learn how to build performance engines as a self-taught or where did that knowledge come from? Uh, it was all self-taught. I never went to college. I, um, I originally started doing road engines from when I left school, did nine years of doing building road engines, then went into um, some more race engines. I was doing a lot of work in the evenings, looking at my friend's rally car, and then I got enough work to set my own business up and so just really concentrate on, on race engines. So when you talk about the difference between the, the road engines that you built for nine years, as you just said, and, and you start moving more into higher performance race engines, where would you say the most critical differences are? What are you really focusing on getting right and what's most important in a race engine? Well, in the, obviously, the bearing clearances, all piston clearances are very important in the race engine. But once you go into the race engine, it's all the port inside you get involved with. Uh, different cams and just really just changing that side of things to get a little bit more from it obviously when I very first started there was a lot more normally aspirated engines out there turbos were only just really coming in but obviously the YB was a turbo engine from the very start and that's where I really learned my turbo experience from doing the YB engine now that YB Sierra or YB Ford Cosworth engine, I should say, it's been uh, been in development for a number of years. And I know back when I first started getting involved in uh, building engines myself and, and tuning cars, uh, that was an engine that I really looked up to. We saw uh, the development in Europe and the sort of power levels that they were getting out of those engines back then uh, were insane, 600 plus horsepower. These days, of course, we see everyday road cars making much more than that, but that's a different thing. What I'd like to talk about, though, is 
is uh, where you've seen the advances in technology aid improving that power level. What, what's sort of been the most important changes there? Um, really, really, the YB is actually trying to keep it reliable with the bigger power figures. We we did a lot in the early nineties with uh, putting a lot blocks really to a steel nickel liner, a dry liner, to try and stop blocks cracking, and then then eventually. Probably in, uh, I think, 2002, we actually went to a wet liner conversion on the block um, to literally try and stop it from cracking and, and keep the head gases set alive on them. So there's a couple of things you've mentioned there. So just a bit about the liner. So the original, the YB Cosworth, was a cast iron block. Uh, so the problems you're seeing there was just to do with the thickness of the casting from the factory? Yeah, the the they weren't particularly accurate, the actual castings, and uh, we'd have them where other high boost they just split the bore down from top to bottom so then we went rigidly to a steel liner which worked for a few years but then we get more and more torque then the restrictors came in in rallycross so then we concentrate more on torque than horsepower and then we're just cracking more and more blocks so and then having head gassy problems so then we went to a wet liner block and that really cured the head gasket side of things so there's, again, there's a few things I just want to unpack there. So first of all, you talked about the accuracy of the, the block production. So uh, I'm going to assume here you're talking about core shift during the actual casting process of the block where uh, sometimes you can get inaccuracies or inconsistencies in the bore thickness in factory castings. That's right, yeah. You, you get a lot of core shift in the factory cars and they're, they're fairly so lenient on their tolerance with that of course yeah. well, obviously on a standard engine it's not a problem. It lasts for years without no problems but when you Sand engine has about 200 and something pounds of torque, and we're running up to sort of 700 pounds of torque, so it's a big difference. Do you want to take your car knowledge game to the next level? Join us in the next free lesson at hpacademy.com slash free and start developing your own skills today. Uh, also, you talked about the, the liners. Now, this is a, a modification we see probably, I guess, predominantly on uh alloy blocks where they really aren't made for anywhere near the power we, we're sort of seeing and it's quite common to put in a, a ductile iron sleeve as an aftermarket modification requiring a lot of uh, machining work to the block to allow that to be fitted. Uh, what we do hear a lot of people complain about with uh, aftermarket sleeving technology though is that that in itself can fix one problem with the bore strength but in itself creates more problems with the potential for those sleeves dropping and hence head gasket problems. Is that an issue or how do you get around that if so? Uh, when we did the first steel liner, uh, steel blocks, we used a flange liner, so they never dropped. But what we had trouble with, um, because we pull from long studs on the block, we pull from the bottom of the block, the top of the deck is very weak. So the liner under real high cylinder pressure would actually drop down slightly on, on each time it fired and then come back up again. And then you start to see a bit of movement in the gasket and starting to leak. So when we went to the, the wet liner, then that stopped that problem because the, the wet liner set on the, the base of the water jacket and the studs pull from the base of the water jacket. So it was compressing it essentially. That's right, compressing it and keeping it all together. So we did that and that sort of solved that problem. Then we came into the problem of kept splitting the main housings, pushing the crank out the bottom. So you shift the problem from one place to another. Well, that's it, yeah, because we got more and more torque out of them. So then we had to go for the, the billet sum, which held all the main caps in place. We'll come back and talk about that something in a second, but I still want to just dive in a little bit further with these sleeves. So you, you talked about using a steel liner. Now, that's a little unusual in terms of a material selection. I've just mentioned quite common now is the ductile iron. So can you talk about the advantages and disadvantages of the steel material and around that nickel coating and why that's important? Um, the, the steel liner, like you, you never ever crack one, but they do go out of shape. They don't hold their 
around this as well as uh, especially like the, the ductile iron liners they do hold the shape really well and I think probably when we started doing that ductile iron wasn't so a common thing back in the 90s it's more saying it's more in the sort of 2000s and especially the last sort of 10 years there's been a lot of ductile iron liners being manufactured even local companies in the UK now are making ductile liners so obviously on like Kenden you know we use a, a ductile iron in the aluminium block with, with no, they're probably just a parallel line down to a stop at the bottom. And that nickel steel coating, why are you using that? Because uh, you can't run a ring in a steel bore, so you have to run some sort of coating on the steel. So we use nickel steel, uh, which is obviously very hard. It's it's actually very low friction as well. Um, but it, you, you have problems with rings trying to bed into them sometimes, and we have to try not try the top ring to stop it from uh, picking up on the nickel steel. Now that nickel coating as well is a technology that we see uh, is not uncommon in OE engines where they're now using an aluminium block entirely with no uh, sleeve whatsoever and that nickel coating is placed right on the aluminium so that the, the rings can run on that so not uncommon there. Now the other thing I wanted to dive into there is head gasket sealing technology. You sort of mentioned there a little bit about the problems with keeping the heads on uh, from my own drag racing experience that was always really our limiting factor we could make as much power as we wanted as long as we could keep the boost in the engine and uh, we've seen a lot of development with the YB engine as used obviously in group A uh, circuit racing, power levels were in same particularly for qualifying uh, what was the development in head gasket sealing technology that you've used uh, with with the yb we've always used the cooper's ring with our even our wet liners we still use the cooper's ring so can you just uh, explain for those who aren't familiar what exactly is the cooper's ring cooper's ring is a stainless steel ring it's made out of multi-layers then a layer wrapped around the all, all four layers and uh, it the intermediate layers are slightly interwoven slightly so you get a slight springless effect on that so it's not like a solid ring so it gives you a bit of a flex when if it starts to lift the head it will spring back up a little bit so it could, but it's only, you're only talking like two or three foul it's not a, not a ten foul or anything like that um, and we, we have found that still the most reliable way of keeping it on the gasket we tried that the four layer gasket even with the wet liner we still had a little bit of leakage on that that the cooling ring has always been our, our best solution on the YB solution. And what sort of boost pressure on some of the, the really high output engines are you talking about sealing in there? Uh, we've been running up to the sort of 3.1, 3.2 bar of actual boost, so 4.2 absolute. So it's a fair bit of pressure inside there. Now, you, you mentioned earlier as well about the restricted engines that are used in Rally and Rally Cross, and, and I think a lot of people probably don't understand that technology. So this is uh, designed to keep uh, a cap on maximum power. There's a restrictor, which is literally an orifice through which all the air must flow at the entrance to the turbocharger, so that limits airflow. So these engines don't make a lot of high RPM power, but of course you mentioned the low RPM torque, and you're running a lot of boost down low. So... Uh, you've kind of alluded to this already, but do you find that high torque at low RPM, so it's really airflow, uh, is more problematic than making a lot of power at, say, seven or 8,000 RPM in terms of engine reliability? Yeah, a lot more. Because the, the torque is, or the explosion is there much longer because the piston's travelling much slower, so you don't release the torque that's under pressure very quickly at low RPM. So say, say at 4,000 RPM, it goes away at a certain speed, but at 8,000, it's twice the speed, it goes away the load. So the block can then relax or the head gas can relax each time it fires after it fired much earlier so the, the big torque is what really breaks engines 
Um, like you can have big horsepower and it doesn't really hurt an engine, but you have a big torque low down, it just it just kills everything inside an engine. I think that's important because it is so easy for people to overlook that aspect. Uh, now, you also mentioned about the billet main caps and how you sort of solved one problem and then started pushing the crank out of the bottom of the engine. So can you talk to us about the development and the requirement for that and uh, what is the YB, what does the YB block use in stock form? So in stock form, the YB just uses aluminium sum, cast aluminium sum, the, it's just two bolt mains, uh, just cast iron caps, and uh, we get having them cracking through the main house and trying to push the the crank out of the bottom. So probably in two thousand, I think it was three, two thousand four, we made our first uh, billet aluminium sum to hold all the main caps. So the main cap bolts actually go through the sum, and you do them up from the outside, and that that stopped all the problems of cracking the blocks. So essentially it's sort of tying the, the main caps also out to the, the outside of the, the block sump rails? Yeah, that's right. So the, the, the sump uh, flanges, it ties it all down. And uh, it's like with the YB, the French off centre line is actually the sump face line, whereas a lot of modern engines, the sump uh, line is actually below the, the crank centre line, so it helps to support the block. That uh, because the YB's very early design engine, it's actually really designed in in 1972 with a Mark III called it the, the Pinto block. Basically, that's what it started off life as. So uh, it's, it has really evolved over the last uh, 30 years. Uh, I mean, as you've just mentioned, really, we are talking about what is a, a very dated engine design. We've seen a lot of uh, technology come uh, through over those decades, but. Is there still some life left in the YB? Is still some development left for you? Yeah, we've, we still we still do a lot of YBs. Um, we've done obviously gone on to the aluminium blocks now, and uh, yeah, that's good success with the aluminium blocks now. It's taken a bit of work to get them reliable. Uh, like with the Smith and Jones block, we had to do the long studs right through to the main caps to to try and keep the heads on, head gasket on that one. And uh, yeah, we still we have been introducing some big horsepower out of the YB. We have been, I think the most we've seen is 1,040 horsepower. And, uh, so yeah, that's not messing around. No, that's right. No, that's, uh, we've done that out of our aluminium block and uh, it all held really well. So that's our, that was our record all so far on the YB engine. And we've still got a lot of work to do with them to try and get them even better and better. So it's a never-ending task. Oh, look, Julian, it's been great to get that insight into the development of that engine and uh, how you've sort of faced those challenges and, and found ways past those weak points. Now, if our viewers want to learn more about you or your company, how can they reach out? Uh, Racetuners.com uh, on the website, so it's, it's quite easy to, to find and remember. That's so Racetuners.com. Yeah, it's all our information on the website there, where to find us and uh, and some of the work we do, all the billet machining and stuff we got on the website and uh, some, and parts. We've got a little shop there as well. That's awesome. Right, thanks for the chat, Julian. That's all right. No problem at all. Thanks a lot. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you've chosen to listen to it on. It goes a long way to helping us get the word out there. All these conversations and much more are also available in full on our High Performance Academy YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe.